0: Our scripture this morning is Isaiah 22, 5 through 14. For the Lord of hosts has a day of tumult and trampling and confusion in the valley of vision, a battering down of walls and a shouting to the mountains. And along bore the quiver with chariots and horsemen, and Kerr uncovered the shield. Your choicest valleys were full of chariots, and the horsemen took their stand at the gates. He has taken away the covering of Judah. In that day you looked to the weapons of the house of the forest, and you saw that the breaches of the city of David were many. You collected the waters of the lower pool, and you counted the houses of Jerusalem, and you broke down the houses to fortify the wall. You made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to him who did it or see him who planned it long ago. In that day, the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and mourning for baldness and wearing sackcloth. And behold, joy and gladness, killing oxen and slaughtering sheep, eating flesh and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. The Lord of hosts has revealed himself in my ears. Surely this iniquity will not be atoned for until you die, says the Lord God of hosts.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. Good morning. One of the things that I love to do is, uh, is to go up to Table Rock. I love to, to drive my little uh, Jeep Wrangler up there when I want to go be with the Lord, just to go and pray, to be silent, to be with my Heavenly Father. I love the spot. I love the view of our city, the overlook of Boise. I love the sunsets up there recognizing God's creation. I love to sit under the cross and just reflect. And you know what? When I drive up there, I think the Lord loves it as well. I think He loves that I want to spend time with Him, to seek Him, looking out with Him over all that's going on in life. I think He loves that. He loves relationship with me. And He loves that I'm seeking relationship with Him and seeking his purposes and his next steps for my life. I believe he wants us to look with his eyes. When we go up to Table Rock and we look over the city, you recognize that in the city there's a lot of craziness going on. There's a lot of lives that are hurting, there's a lot of struggle, there's just a lot of activity, there's a lot of worry. And we go up to Table Rock and you look over, there's actually a real peace. And I think that's what God wants us to see along with Him. I am God. I am over this city. I am sovereign. I love every individual in this city. I know exactly what's going on in their lives. I know exactly what's going on in your life, Rod. And I want you to see as I see. And I want you to be able to look out with me and trust and rest here that I am God, and that I love you, and have a view from Table Rock, which brings peace and trust in our Lord. So that's what I pray for us this morning as we go through Isaiah. We're going to primarily be looking at Isaiah 22, but let's pray that we will see with God's eyes uh, this morning. Father, we love you, and we're so thankful for this morning to gather together We're thankful for all that you've given us in life, and and just the joy of walking in life with you. And Father, help us to be a people that go up to Table Rock, that we see with your eyes all that's going on, when we are frantic, when we're worried, that we sit under the cross and and we realize all that you've done for us, and we realize that you created all of this, and that you are a lover of our souls, and that you love each and every one of us individually. Help us to recognize that you are sovereign. You're in control. You are not out of control. And Father, may we rest there under your cross, looking with your eyes. And Father, may we draw close to you, I pray. In your beautiful and precious name. Amen. Well, let me remind you where we've been in Isaiah. It's it's a book that has taken us through a lot of walking through with, with Israel and with God's judgment and that He's a holy God. And one of the themes that we continue to see is, and, and God is placing His judgment on, is why is it that you as a people are placing your trust in all of these other things, in, in, your, in your wisdom, your own wisdom and your own abilities, why are you placing your trust in making alliances with these nations that you think will protect you? Why are you placing your trust there instead of in the living God? The God who loves you and is in relationship with you. The God who has made a covenant with you. Why do you keep turning that way? Why are you looking for life in anything else but me, God is saying? It's like trying to feed yourself on on cotton candy and trying to be satisfied there. And you never are. But why do we keep eating more and more cotton candy? I want you to draw near to me. I want you to place your trust in me. And you keep running away from me. You're rebelling against me. But you see, one of the things that we're reminded of in Isaiah is that God is a holy God. He's a God that is set apart. He is a God that wants righteousness from us. Because He is a holy God, He cannot be in the presence of sin. And He does not want His people to be walking continually into sin because it leads to death. He wants them to repent and to draw near to Him. But when they continue to rebel, and when we as a people continue to rebel against God, there is a righteous, holy judgment. And we see this in Isaiah continually. But God's judgment on us, we say, oh, what a cruel God, how dare He judge us and and put us through these things. But His judgment always is redemptive. It's always a wooing back of His people. He lets us experience our sin and the consequences of it. And we start to realize, whoa, when I keep walking right here towards the edge, I eventually fall off and I die. And God doesn't want us to die. He doesn't want us to die in separation from Him. He wants us to have life in Him and He wants us to trust Him. And He's been doing that all throughout Isaiah, speaking these words through His prophet, because our holy God is mighty to save and we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. He is the one who gives life, and he is the only one who gives life. As we enter into chapters 21 through 23, and again, I'm going to focus mostly on chapters 21, or 22. In chapter 21, there's an oracle speaking against Babylon. Babylon was known as the great, great city with much power. Chapter 23 is going to be speaking mostly about Tyre. Tyre was a city that had a, a lot of influence and affluence. A lot of money, wealth that poured out. And so they put their trust in those things. And Judah was putting their trust in, in alliances with Babylon. Oh, if we can connect with Babylon, then we can have a chance against Assyria. Basically, making an alliance with the enemy. And oh, if we could have the... The influence and the affluence of Tyre, and, and they could help us in our battles as well with, with the wealth, and they are destroyed as well. And there comes oracles against all these nations. And one of the things that you begin to see as we look through chapters 21 through 23, is that God is sovereign over all the nations. He's sovereign over all the nations. And I think it's a reminder for us in today's culture that we need to go up to Table Rock with the Lord. And we need to see as He sees. You know, our world is in a crazy place right now. But God is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God is sovereign over all the nations and what is taking place. It's not out of His control. We feel like it's out of control, but it's never out of His control. We need to realize like Job realized as he heard from God as he was struggling through. And God speaks very clearly. Hey Job, I hear you. But where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? You see, I'm God and you're not. I want you to see things as I see. I want you to trust me in the middle of all this conflict and turmoil and your personal suffering. I want you to trust me. But know that I laid the foundations of the world. Know that I have it all in control. Every individual, every nation, my hand is over it. I think the problem with all of us is that as we walk through life, all we're looking at is what's right in front of us. And God's up at Table Rock. He's looking over the whole city. And he sees exactly where things are headed and where they need to go. When my my son uh, Caleb was a little guy, we used to go with uh, Coal Valley Christian to the to the berry patch to get uh, pumpkins. Some of you have done that. And at the berry patch, they have uh, they have a little maze made out of hay bales there. So the little kids can go through. But the hay bales only stack up to maybe maybe this high on me. So for the little guys and the little gals, they're walking through and all they can see is hay bales. And they can't quite see how to get out of the maze. And so I would go with Caleb and... And I would be behind him a little distance. And when I'm in that maze, I tower over that maze. I can see every little turn. I can see exactly where you need to go. But Caleb would be up in front of me and he would get stuck. And then he would start to panic a little bit. How do I get out of here? And he'd get frantic. And I would say a couple things to him. I'd say, hey, Caleb, I'm right here with you, buddy. I'm right here with you. Don't worry. And i go, why don't you go ahead and take a right? And he would listen to me and he would take a right. And then he would be able to walk ahead further. I could see the whole thing. And I would just watch him. And as he would panic at times, I would just remind him of my presence. And I would guide him into where he needed to go. You see, we're, we're kind of in that maze a lot of times, aren't we? All we see is what's in front of us, all hay bales. And God's going, I've got this. I know you're, you're worrying right now how you're going to get out of this situation. How the world is going to continue to function amidst all the chaos. I know you're worried about, but, but I have this. I have not only the nations, but I have you personally. God is sovereign over all. Will we trust in Him? There's nothing out of my hand. And I think God wants us to come to this place of going, okay, Father, I can rest here. I can rest here in your presence, in your arms. Thank you for letting me understand what you're doing. Thank you for letting me see with your eyes that you are in control. We we struggle to trust the Lord, don't we? Especially when we're right in the middle of it. And so we, we live out of fear and, and we again start to worry And again, I think it comes because we're looking at everything right in front of us. When Isaiah starts chapter 22, it's interesting. He says this. This is a prophecy against the valley of vision. What troubles you now is you've all gone up to the rooftops and it's so full of commotion all around you. The, The city is in tumult. And he's speaking to Jerusalem, this valley of vision. Jerusalem is surrounded by by several valleys. You have the the Kidron Valley and the Hinnom Valley. The Hinnom Valley is is actually a break off of Gehenna, of of hell. And what was happening in the Hinnom Valley was there was child sacrifice that would take place there. Uh, It would become a place of absolute, just everything that was awful and ugly. All the waste started to get dumped in there and they would burn the waste. And it was just it was labeled as hell. When they would speak about images of hell, it would be Hinnom Valley, Gehenna. You have the Tyropean Valley. So Jerusalem is known as an area with valleys around it. And he says, here is my judgment upon you, Jerusalem. I'm judging the nations. And you also are in the middle of that judgment. It's not just Babylon and Tyre and all these other nations. It's you, Jerusalem that I will judge. Valley of vision. I think what Isaiah is doing is, I think it's a slap in the face by using those words. It's a play on words. Because think about it. When you want to go and have vision, when you want to go and see the whole picture, where do you go? You go up to Table Rock. You go up and you look out above everything. When you're down in the valley, all that you're seeing down here is all that's right in front of you. We're right in an aversion right now, right? You need to get out of the valley. You can't see. And it's a slap in the face, I think, for the people of Israel who would say, oh, but we're the people of God. We're the people who have Jerusalem, the city of God. This is where God revealed Himself. This is where God dwells, here in Jerusalem. But you're in the valley of vision. You see... All that you see is right here. And basically, you're living in hell. You can't even smell the stink of your own sin. You've got nose blind, as the commercial says. Your sin is so egregious against God, you don't even smell it. You are living in the valley of vision. You think you are close to God. You are not. And I think it's a wake-up call. And it's a warning for all of us. Have we started to climb into the valley of vision and we think that we're close to God and yet we're we're stuck in our sin and it's ugly and it leads to death. And I think God is saying, would you climb out of the valley and come up here to Table Rock with me to worship me, to see as I see, to trust me, to know what I have for you, to get to that place where you stop depending on yourself and depending on the nations. I want you to come up back as a people coming and drawing to Jerusalem, the city, have we become a people that are living in the valley of vision and not even aware of how far away we are from God. I think Isaiah is trying to open our eyes to that. We don't see as he sees. And so we live in fear. Everything's crumbling around us. Attack is coming. And so Isaiah says, here's all this attack coming. So what do you do? Look at verse 8 of Isaiah 22. See, you're looking at all the, the choicest chariots. The Lord stripped away the defenses of Judah. And you looked in that day. Here's what you looked for. You looked for the weapons of the palace, of the forest. You saw the walls of the city of David. You stored up water in the lower pools. Everything is a mess all around you. You can't figure out life. You're living in the valley of vision. Attack is coming upon you, whatever that looks like. And so, what do you do right away? You figure it out. You go, This is what we have to do. We have to fortify our walls. We have to figure out the water. We have to do this. And you go, Well, wait a second. What's the problem with that? Attack is coming. War is coming. We need to be ready for war. Isn't it a good thing to prepare? Well, what's the problem? What is the sin that the Lord is so hurt by about His people? Where has Jerusalem fallen short in their relationship with God? What is it that the Lord wants His people to see is going on in their hearts? And the same for us. What's going on in our heart towards the Lord? It's verse 11. This is the problem. And this is the sin that we all have to deal with and turn over to the Lord. You built all of these things, and you went for the water, but you did not look to the one who made it. You did not have regard for the one who planned it long ago. This is the sin against the Lord. And this is the great heartbreak of the Lord. I've come to make a covenant with you, my people, to give you life, to show you the way, to bring you into the promised land. I've come to show you what it means to have a loving relationship with the living God. I've shown you and I've given you salvation. And yet you've turned away from me. And everything that you do and all of your preparations and all that's going on around you, you have forgotten and you have not looked to me And you have not thanked me. And you have not given me consideration of all that I did for you. Did you forget the promises that I made with your forefathers? The covenants that I made? Did you forget when Joshua crossed the Jordan and came in and conquered Jericho and and your people entered into the promised land that I promised you? you think you did that on your own? Because right now you're thinking you did. The city that I gave you and the promised land that I gave you, all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, well, we need to be the ones to protect our land. We need to be the ones to fix the mess. When it was God all the time who fixed the mess. It was God all the time who gave you the city. And you do not look to Him anymore. You have left God out of everything. And I think it's a warning for us. Are we making plans? Are we trying to fix all these things? And are we leaving God out of the center of it all? It's the sin of His people, and I think oftentimes can become our sin against God. God, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out my marriage. I'm going to figure out my work situation. I'm going to figure out what's going on in the world. I'm just going to, you know. And oh Lord, hey, would you bless this? And we leave God out. And so he's dealing with his people. The people that he covenanted with. We think we can protect our city in our own strength. We think we can preserve our own life. And Luke 12 says, You fool. This night your soul is required of you. You were given so much. And as you were making your great plans, you left God out. You fool. Google has digitalized 30 million unique books. And what they've done with the books all the way from the 1800s is they start to do a study on words that are used in books and, and start to get an understanding of the culture and what the culture is drawing towards. And, and you can see it because they're pulling out and they're evaluating the words that are used in all these books all the way back to the 1800s. One example they had is they started to understand culture is that uh, ice cream, the word ice cream took off in 1910 and it was right when GE introduced the first powered home icebox. And so the word ice cream was starting to appear everywhere and in stories and in all kinds of books because GE had the icebox. In the late 1990s, the word pasta took a nosedive because of the Atkins diet, which didn't allow pasta in that diet. And it took a nose diet. As they studied the word God, they said the word God has been on a constant decline for several decades now. The word God only appears a third as much as began in the 1800s. God is being left out. And again, it's the question for all of us. Are we leaving God out? What does the Lord desire from us? He wants a repentant heart. Verse 12 says, In that day the Lord God of hosts called for a weeping and a mourning, a repentance, a baldness, wearing sackcloth, a repentance, a a turning away from the direction that you've been going, and not only a turning away, but an agreeing with God that you know what, God? You are right. Your way is life-giving. Help me, Father, through Your power of Your Holy Spirit to repent. I want to turn away from this path that I'm going on. Taking all of the plans that You have and laying them before the Lord. Going up to Table Rock and sitting under the cross and saying, Father, forgive me. I want to live life for You. Show me. Father, let me hear from You. I don't want to make plans outside of You and turning those over before the Father. You see, it's not sinful to make plans, is it? The Proverbs say, a man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his footsteps. Will you allow the Lord to direct your footsteps? Stop living life saying, nothing to do with God. You're not welcome here. That we go up to Table Rock, and we look out with His eyes, and we look up, and we're reminded by the Lord, like Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it, what do they do? They labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early or go late to rest, eating the bread. And this is what happens to us. Of anxious toil, we become very anxious people, don't we? For he gives to his beloved sleep. Unless the Lord watches over the city over the nation. I think this this verse in Proverbs, this chapter in Proverbs, is a great reminder for us of praying for our leaders over our nation, praying for those over Boise, Idaho, praying for those over our country. And as we pray, as we as we go up to a table rock and we look and we see with his eyes, we let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard our hearts and our mind in Christ Jesus. You see, when we leave God out of the mix, we become nothing but anxious and fearful. And we think it's out of control. And He wants to bring us back to a place. Draw me in. Let me lead your life. Be reminded that I'm over all of the nations. And I'm over your life. You see, all these decisions that are going on in government right now, And they're hard. We watch on TV, you know, even to this morning, all of the refugees held at, at airports across the nation. I think this is our prayer. Father, through your Holy Spirit, remind me that you are sovereign over all the nations, that you lead kings. Father, remind me that you love all of these refugees more than I ever could. And that your purposes will be played out, Father, that your will shall be done. And Father, show me how you want me to participate in your kingdom work here in Boise and across the world. And so, Father, I invite you. And Father, help me to be wise. And Father, help me to trust you in all of these circumstances. I think that should be our prayer. It's crazy times out there. Unless the Lord guards over the city, it's all in vain. So let's invite him to guard over our city, to watch over these dear refugees. Let's trust him that he's got them in his hands. Unless the Lord builds our marriage, unless the Lord builds our business, our church, it's all in vain, it's futile. When we refuse to invite the Lord in, all we do is we end up living right here. All I can see is what's in front of me. And we end up in despair and we end up in pain. And you know what we do in in order to avoid the pain? Verse 13 says, we throw a party. Let us eat and let us drink. For tomorrow we die. Do you know what that statement is from the people it's a statement of, of utter hopelessness, isn't it? You know what? Everything around me is terrible. I'm getting attacked from all sides. I'm living right here in the valley, basically, of hell. I don't know how to handle any of it. And so it's a cry out of utter hopelessness. Well, let's just eat and drink because we're going to die anyway. And here's what you need to know. God doesn't want you to stay there. He doesn't want you to stay in that valley. He wants to lift you up. He wants you to come up to Table Rock with Him. And He wants you to see His heart for you. Because He is our Savior and He is our hope. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Therefore, since we've been made right with God, we have peace with Him. We're in relationship with the Lord Jesus through Him we have gained access by faith and the grace which we now stand. And we boast, and we sung about this this morning, we boast in the Lord, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character builds hope. And hope does not put us to shame. It's a solid hope because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Don't be a people that just say, well, the heck with it all. Let's eat, drink, and be merry in the middle of all this pain, it might as well just die. That's seen in the valley. That is seeing only what's in front of you. And God is pulling you out of that. The people are hard, they will not repent. And God is saying, repent, your sin is great, realize it, turn it over to the Lord. Depend on me, trust in me. I do not want you to be separated from me any longer. This sin will not be forgiven. You go, what is that, Father? It's the sin that we looked at. It's the sin that says, I do not acknowledge God in anything. I have totally rebelled against Him. I've turned away from Him. God doesn't want you to go down that path because one day that's ultimate separation from God. I just did a service yesterday for Dallas Willie. And you know what we could say of Dallas? He turned his life to God. And we all sit in that room together and as we think about death and we look at that coffin and we go, we're all going to be there someday. And God knows that. And God wants your heart to be turned to Him. Because if you do not have a relationship with a living God, if you have not surrendered, if you have not repented, if you continue to live in the valley of hell, then ultimately one day you will continue to live there eternally. Dallas received Jesus Christ. Dallas loved the Lord. I was in the hospital room with him. we talked about seeing Jesus face to face real soon. You see, it's serious business. We have a holy God. Sometimes we don't like to talk about hell and, and, and separation from God forever. But if we don't talk about it, then we continue to just walk down this path where we think we're living fine and we're living in the valley and we, we see nothing of God and, and we are so far away from God and we don't even recognize it. So draw near to God and receive relationship with the living God. Receive life from Him as He restores you. It's a strong warning to us. And he, and he gives us this picture of, of ways that we can go. And he gives us this image of two men, two leaders that come into the community. One is, is named Shevna. And I want us to soul search here about what type of people we're becoming. There's Shevna who was a self-centered, he lived in the valley, he was valley vision leader. He was living for everything that was temporal. Or will we live like Eliakim, who was other-focused, God-focused, focused focused on things that were eternal? Which type of people are we becoming? You see, Shebna oversaw Jerusalem, and he was a strong, powerful leader. And we find in, in Isaiah 22 that he's out, basically he's trying to find a really nice tombstone. The people are falling apart. The people are living in sin. He's not concerned about that. He's not concerned about his own sin. All he's concerned about is his image. And I want to make sure that I've got a really good tombstone. So that when people walk by later, they go, Wow, what a great tombstone. And God says, you're going to be wiped out, Shavna. You're living nothing but for yourself. You represent nothing but all of that that is is temporal. You're living for everything that's here on earth. When there is eternity and there's so much more to live for, You're living self-focused. You're living without God. He's not involved in anything. And then we're given Eliakim. Eliakim is one who is concerned about the people. He's one who who is up on table rock with the Lord and going, God, what do you have for your people? And God, somehow involve me in your kingdom work. May I bring your light and your truth to this people. To be a blessing like you intended us to be as a nation. To be light in a dark world. Eliakim says he's like a peg. He's hammered in. He's firm. He's solid. He's strong. He has the keys to the house of David. Basically to come in and worship the living God. What happens is the people start to put their trust in Eliakim. Instead of in the Lord. But Eliakim is a godly man. What kind of people are we becoming? What kind of view do we have? And I believe Isaiah is using this chapter, a strong chapter, in drawing us to a place of saying, will you come up to Table Rock with me? Will you repent of your ways, sit under this cross, thank God for the fact that He's our Savior, Jesus is our Savior. Will you see with my eyes, place your trust in me, that I'm in control over all of this? And will you be a people that will live the light and the intention that I have for you, people that are focused on others, so that they may know the loving God. Will you be a people that will draw near to me and follow me? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And Father, it's hard judgment upon even your own people. And so, Father, I pray that you would wake us up. Forgive us, Father, if if we've been living in the valley, if we've been only looking at what's right in front of us. Forgive us, Father, for, for being anxious and not trusting in you. And Father, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you will help us climb out of the valley and that you'll help us climb up to Table Rock. And that at that place we can stand upon you, our firm foundation. And Father, help us to trust you. And Father, help us in our relationship with you. We want to invite you into everything of our lives. And Lord Jesus, together we say thank you. Thank you for life with you. In your precious name, amen.